0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> Welcome back to the Philip K. Dick Book Club. In each episode of this podcast, I look at one of the stories or part of a novel of by Philip K. Dick. And currently, we're still working our way through the stories of 1954. It's been a long slog, but I, I think we're about halfway through. And we can start to see the, the end of the tunnel, um, which is exciting because starting in 1950... Well, 1955, there's not that many stories. I think there's like seven or eight. And then in 1856, we start to have a lot more novels that start to come out and then there won't be quite as many um, stories. And I, I think there's some, in some of these with the novels, especially the novels of the late fifties and, and early sixties, there's a whole lot of them and a whole lot to talk about. And a lot of things of, of Dick's career come together in those, those books, but we're, 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 trying to do this as chronological as possible. So we're going to keep sh- uh, shoving our way through the, the stories. Uh, today, we're going to be looking at crawlers. Uh, if if you want to categorize this with some of his other stories, I would categorize this as one of his mutant or post-human stories. Um, and just to remind you, the when I say post-human, I, I mean that interchangeably to mutants often, but I, I mean a particular type of mutant. And when I say someone is a post-human, it means they're evolutionarily, you know, distinct, a distinct species from humanity. They're not just mutants. They're not just like with three arms or something, or like in Total Recall, the woman with the three breasts. It's not that. Uh, they have to be different enough that they lack something that about humanity. And So the precog is a good example of this, right? They experience time so differently that they're not truly human in a way. And Dick's not entirely consistent about this. Actually, I think some of his later precogs, do have a bit of humanism in them. Certainly, the ones in Three Stigmata of Palmer Eldridge. I think even there, the main character he is a precog, and there's not that much to disting, distinguish him from run of the mill humanity. But especially in these stories, like in The Golden Man and Crawlers, World of Talent, which we'll get at shortly, Simon Heal My da- da- Daughter, the, the mutant is presented as fundamentally different from humanity and often presented as a threat something that needs to be destroyed. Now the hoodmaker too is another story about the danger posed by, by posthumans. So this is posthumanism is different than transhumanism, which is kind of a upgrading um, ourselves using technology to enhance human experiences, expand our life maybe or learn more languages or be more intelligent using technology. That is transhumanism, but that's not necessarily distinct in my view from humanism right? It's about using technology to enhance. Now, some may say technology does make us different than regular humanity. You know, H plus is, is fundamentally different, but I, I'm not sure. I, certainly though, the post humans we get in many of Dick's early stories are people who are kind of venturing into a frontier of, of existence to an entirely new species. Crawlers certainly is, is one of those tales. It was published in Imagination in July 1954. Imagination was a a pretty important journal or magazine publishing science fiction and fantasy. It's one that Dick wrote a lot in in these days. He often went back to that one. Of course, he published where he could in these days, but he often got bought by Imagination. Uh, You can probably find it in Second Variety and other classic stories by Philip K. Dick, which is uh, usually sold as the third volume of the collected stories. Um, so that it's a short, it's a short tale, only six or seven pages in modern printings. So let's get right into it. So the crawler—that's our the character we meet in the opening pages, is a crawler, uh, which is a mutant, a posthuman. It's con- enjoying a construction project. It's underground, visible from the surface only as a mound of clay. Then we jump to kind of a different setting. A farmer is driving through a rural community, and he, he's driving this man named Ernst Gretti. They stop and see a crawler killed on by cars on the road. So it's like roadkill, roadkill crawler. And we get at our description of what the crawler looks like. Had some more fireworks. <laughs> not entirely uncommon thing in taiwan um at various times i really don't keep up in the holidays so i don't know um when to expect them anyways they they find this crawler who's killed by cars on the road now how is it what does it look like well it's a long snail it's like a long snail but without the shell it's got a head and a human-like face which actually is what kind of makes it kind of disturbing to look at for people because it have that kind of human face and if you've ever seen like other creatures that have that kind of human face you know how uncanny that looks Um, but they're it's it's got this malformed worm-like body I actually got this image of that's that that scene from the movie Freaks if you have ever seen that movie from the 1930s there's actually a a, a person there who has no arms and no legs, and it's really impressive what he does. Uh, now that movie is famous because it used real people with uh, genetic abnormalities as the as the crew, as the cast of that that film, and it was one thing that made it so disturbing for audiences at the time. But one of them was this person who, who had no arms and legs, but what he could do with his mouth, you know. There's a scene where he light, lights a cigar or something, and it's really impressive. Um, so I kind of had that image in my head, but these are more. I mean, these are more distinct from humanity than, than that gentleman. And I feel like I should find his name for you. All right, I found him. His, his name was Prince Randian. Also nicknamed the Snake Man, the Human Torso, the Human Caterpillar, and a variety of other names. So I don't know if Nick uh, was inspired by that, that that movie or not, but uh, here we have it. It's, so it's, it's basically like humanity's more, Or this branch of humanity has morphed into these... Uh, worm-like creatures. The farmer explains that they often crawl across there, and they're often run down by teenagers, often maliciously. Uh, he mentions that one has been preserved in kerosene at the filling station, kind of for people to watch and, and you know get excited. It was kind of an attraction almost for people to come to that gas station. And. These crawlers, this is what's really disturbing. These crawlers are the only children being born now. So normal children aren't being born anymore. And people are starting to move away from this town because everyone is giving birth to these crawlers. And so, you know, why is this? Well, it's heavily suggested that this is radiation from nuclear tests or, you know, in that this region, everyone is having these mutant children, which is a real thing that happened in places near nuclear testing, especially in the Pacific Islands. I think some parts of the Pacific still are having uh, these issues with, with uh, birth defects because of the ongoing impact of radiation. So Gertrude calls a supervisor. And he's, you know He's been sent to investigate this pocket of, of mutants, and he goes to report on the situation. And he actually recommends moving the people away from this radiation zone which is around a lab, actually, where those experiments are taking place. That seems to be causing the mutations. He also recommends that the crawlers should be collected and transported to an island, which was previously used for nuclear tests, because apparently these offsprings are okay with that being exposed to radiation. Now, after this call, Gertie notices that the town is dying and there's no sounds of children playing. And then we got a kind of good description of that here. Quote, the town was dead, nothing stirred, only the motionless old men in their chairs and the out-of-town cars zipping across the highway. Dust and silence lay over everything. Age, like a gray silent web, covered all the houses and stores. No laughter, no sounds of any kind, no children playing. Now, there's something quite disturbing here. We have teenagers targeting these to run them over on the streets the way they might animals. Yet these are their brothers and sisters and children. So these people are giving birth to them, but they're, they're, they're so horrible to look at for um, the people who give birth to them that they exile them and treat them immediately as less than human, put them on display. And no normal children are being born. So the future of this town is really suspect. Now, during a trip into town, the cab driver explains to Gertie that the crawlers are building houses underground, that they sort of, when they mature, they actually crawl underground and they have their own kind of society and they have an entire city. And he suggests that they're dangerous, too, that they've developed a stinger and that they've, they've killed dogs. They arrive at a townhouse, a farmhouse where there's this reports that the crawlers have begun building their city, their underground city. And that's kind of alludes back to the opening scene we have where the crawlers constructing things underground. So they're not just like, they're not mindless by anything. They're they're highly intelligent, highly organized. There are suggestions here that they're even hive-minded. So this is why I think they're really post-humans. They're not just mutated people like Prince Randy. And they're not just people with genetic abnormal abnormalities they are actually an entirely different species with different non-human characteristics which is living underground gertry the investigator discusses the situation with an old woman at this farmhouse and he explains that the government wants to remove the crawlers but unfortunately there's a legal issue here and that legal issue is that these are the children of the townspeople and you can't separate parents and children without a legal process and the old woman shows Gertrude a young couple holding a carton, which actually is containing a one month crawler. So they're kind of caring for for it. And so some people do try to raise these things as their babies. They eat grass and leaves. And the, f- the father explains how he saw one of the first of these crawlers destroyed, smash it on the head with a rock and burned it to death. So we have different responses of these people that these people have to giving birth to these. Post-human children. Some by are doing violence and doing acts of genocide. Others try to care for them. Gertrude decides that he's going to have to order the collection and removal of all the crawlers from this community because that's the only way that's going. They're going to be able to, you know, kind of isolate these people and control the situation. Meanwhile, so that's kind of the end of the story. But we get kind of a postscript of sorts where we are on an island which is apparently is the island that these the callers were brought to. They're building a network city. They're expanding between the island through these underground networks, but unfortunately many of the newborn children are turning out to be throwbacks. They have arms and legs, and these admiral- abnormalities are immediately killed. So we have a cycle of, of violence. What's not entirely cr- clear to me is are these throwbacks, are they, are giving, are they giving birth to regular humans? who think and act like humans, and they're like not the post-humans, or are they post-humans like the crawlers in the other ways, but they happen to have arms and legs. It's not really explained. We don't have enough story here, um, but we can imagine and think about it. Now, what you're immediately going to notice here is the, the moral attributes of the crawlers are in some way similar to those of humans, but they have some differences too. Um, Like humans, they have a desire to build communities. They're protective of their creations, right? So they attack these dogs that seem to get in their territory. So they have this territoriality that humans do. They're fearful of physical otherness and the fact that they kill their children that don't conform to what they expect people to look like. Um, Now they're, they're monstrous looking to most humans especially to the human women who give birth to them. And it's not at all clear what role they could play in human society, but neither are they entirely alien, right? We have some people who seem to try to raise them, and we have others that are so horrified by the callers that they just kill them immediately. Certainly in this decision of both to to kill to kill people who are other, or kill creatures that are don't conform to what they consider the, you know, biologically normal that they seem to have in common and there's suggestions here that it's the closeness that makes them a bit terrifying and especially with the face uh, that's really an uncanny aspect of, of the crawlers is that they're not so different there's enough of a relation that it that they become kind of terrifying for the people who, who witness them now, what's the government's approach to the crawlers? Well, it seems that their response is simply to try to exile them from sight initially. For them, it's a bureaucratic problem. It's a legal problem. It's a question, you know, it's... They don't quite go to the point of genocide. In in the Golden Man, we have a government that's committed to eradicating all mutants. Now, it's not that Dick had a f- hang-up on this. He's actually perfectly capable of imagining people living with post humans or mutants he does it in the world Jones made for instance there's you know mutants and law as long as in that novel as long as they don't break the fundamental law of the society of relativism they were fine with them in fact they had a whole it actually there was a explosion of performance art because of, of of these mutants. Now here we have a government approach that's very bureaucratic, but essentially it rests on separating them from the rest of of society. Now we've seen other examples of this and Dick would have known of examples of this in recent American history. The most obvious of these was the internment of Japanese Americans and people of Japanese descent during World War II, which was done through, you know, for four years during the entire war. But we also had the depopulation of Pacific Islands for nuclear testing, and that's alluded to here, where there are actual islands in which the government thinks they can take the crawlers to to basically store them and contain them. We have the crimes of the Holocaust, which involves separation and isolation before genocide, just genocide ta- you know, takes place. In fact, there was a central part of genocide was separation and identi- identifying and putting people in ghettos or, or you know, places like that. By that time Dick was writing, governments were actually quite expert at relocating populations unwillingly. They've been doing it for decades and decades. In fact, if we go back to colonial history in like Africa, you know, concentration camps were tried out in places like German Southwest Africa in the late 19th century. So that, you know, governments were kind of good at this. Um, The decision to move the people out of the town away from the radiation and then to move the crawlers to an abandoned island is perhaps morally offensive but it's a perfectly logical solution to the problem which is that these people exposed to radiation exposed to these experiments are having these children that aren't human and you know you don't want to necessarily eradicate the crawlers but we can't really have them interact with humans so move them to an island that's empty and with radiation that's not going to affect them Maybe it is affecting them. Maybe maybe the radiation is what's causing these throwbacks. So they're kind of post-post-humans. Now, even the people of the town are eager for the solution. They don't want to keep having these children, and they don't want to really live with these crawlers. They want to remove the sight of these monstrosities that have invaded their quiet lives. They might be happy putting a few of them in formaldehyde. you know, as kind of a curiosity, something to observe, but they really don't want them nearby. The trouble is that once removed from the radiation, the crawlers begin to have these throwback children. Once they're removed from uh, their source, they start to have these throwback children. Or maybe it's a new mutation. The problem repeats itself. So I don't know if these throwbacks can be reintegrated to human society or not, but it's a cycle of of violence, of separation, that seems to keep on going. Now, certainly the inspiration for this must have been many of the horror stories that came out while Dick was writing of the biological effects of radiation and radiation testing in the Pacific Islands and even in some places in the U.S. Uh, where these tests, text, tech, tests took place. Eventually, the United States moved a lot of these to like the Marshall Islands and you know, Bikini Island. And there's this really horrible history here of what was done to these, these people. Of course, these islands were... Emptied, whole whole islands were emptied of people, and people were relocated. But you know, even people in neighboring islands got exposed to this often near lethal levels of radiation, and some of the children they had were, you know, quite mutated, and cancer rates were quite high, and still quite high in some of these these areas. So this is one of the great sins of the United States, um, perpetuated on on the people of the Pacific and I, I think certainly dick is is building off of the, this kind of news he, he would have been aware of it i'm sure but we also get the the, the problem with the post human just the, the the fact that it seems very difficult to imagine how the post humans can interact in human society this is done most well in the golden man that's the story that has, you know is the best on this of this kind of early set and then i think with World of Talent and Simon Hill, my dollars, and especially World of Talent. You have a very sober and mature analysis of of the mutants and the different types and how they're going to interact and their politics and all that. So that's a, that's a richer story, but this is a, a little nugget that begins that really builds off the Golden Man and this question of what should government do to mutants, and they are presented as a threat here. So they're not innocuous. They're they're, they're violent towards these Strobrak children, and they're building this network city that may grow up and you know they're tunnels they are tunneling creatures so maybe they'll eventually escape the island and get to back to the United States or to other societies where they'll interact again. so isolating them is not really presented here as a long-term solution it's it's what the government can do in the short term Um, it's a very negative we get a very negative view of humanity here Um, you know especially with the teenagers trying to hit these things with their cars and Families murdering their their own children because they don't conform to a an image of what a proper child should look like. So, uh, a bit disturbing. It's a bit hard to talk about too because sometimes I'm not sure what the right language to use for for describing these. That's why I you know maybe it's a cop out to say these are posthumans. Um, you know, but I, I think that's Dick's intention. Although, you know, who knows. Anyways, uh, thank you so much for listening. That will do it for crawlers. Now, I'll be back with another of uh, Philip K. Dick short stories shortly. Um, but if you have opinions or if you have thoughts about the crawlers, please share them. Uh, you can send me an email at 100 pagescastgmailcom at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you and I'll, I'll share your comments on, uh, on my next episode or the next time I record anyways. So again, thank you so much uh, and I'll see you next time. Come. Possess my tired thoughts once more. that living dies, that leaving dies, that leaving